This is Robert Mardlanchi, Chief Digital Curator of the Mindshare Learning Report, Canada's Learning and Technology magazine. This podcast is brought to you by C21 Canada, Canadians for 21st Century Learning and Innovation. I'm honored to have join me for a Mindshare Learning Moment, Rod Allen, Superintendent and CEO at the Cowichan Valley School District in beautiful, um, beautiful Victoria Island and former Assistant Deputy Minister in the Department of Education in British Columbia. Good afternoon, Rod, and thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to join me. Hi, Robert. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Well, uh, and this is our second time uh, that uh, we just uh, figured out that I interviewed you uh, about four years ago when you were in your previous role as uh, ADM and. And uh, you did some uh, pretty incredible things and uh, took, took a bit of a risk in transforming uh, the curriculum, uh, a, a pioneer of sorts around the whole 21st century vision. Um, it was a massive effort. What, what, uh, what, what inspired that? Uh, really, I, I think um, there, was, there was a few things. One for sure was... Um, looking at our results that we were getting as a, as a jurisdiction of the province on uh, PISA and other national and international assessments, seeing how well we performed there, and yet trying to square that with this uh, un- feeling of unease that we weren't really preparing our kids uh, appropriately for, the, for, for their futures, and t- trying to like I say, square those two notions. One, on the one hand, by very traditional measures, we're doing very well, and yet this, this sense that something was not quite right and we weren't uh, maybe looking at the right things. Really the same set of questions that the OECD is asking themselves now. Um, are, are those measures that, that we have traditionally measured, uh, they're necessary but not sufficient? And so what were we lacking? What was what were the kinds of things that we needed to think more about? Right. And, and that really took us down the, the 21st century road, looking at competencies and revising the kinds of, uh, revising curriculum so that we could, we could uh, really enable the kinds of learning experiences we wanted all, all our young people to have. And what year was that? Was that about four years ago now? That probably started about five years ago. Five years ago. Uh, the, 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 the beginning stages of, of that. Um, it was around that time, and maybe maybe even a year before, uh, when John Abbott, who who uh, an English uh, thinker and, right. and scholar and writer, um, came, and I introduced him to the then Minister of Education, and he said, uh, "Madam, uh, British Columbia does a wonderful job preparing students for a world that no longer exists." Oh, nice! And John uh, sort of captured our unease, and and so we really started to investigate. Uh, along with other jurisdictions, we were certainly not alone on this journey. Uh, what does the world look like now, really? What should it? What should? How should we be preparing our kids? What's the skill set that they need? Are they are they different from what we're you know doing traditionally? And, and the luxury we had in British Columbia is that we were viewing those questions from a relative position of strength in terms of our rankings. It's not like our system was broken. Um, it, it certainly just needed a. Uh, a good hard look and a refresh and a reframing of some things. Uh, but again, 
more uh, later on in the interview, but it's, it's, you know, things like curriculum, those kinds of policy levers are really just enablers to, to get to the kinds of learning experiences we want for our young people so that they're really prepared. Absolutely. And and this was, now you were early days, uh, one of the first provinces to be going down this path? Um, I, I think so. We were certainly amongst that, that, that uh, first group and perhaps the first or one of the first to actually make a significant change, you know, in terms of curriculum um, uh, to, to, to really get out there uh, and, and make some fundamental changes in what we do. And that's a good segue to the, the next question around change leadership being very much of the part of the process, and, and, and it, it doesn't happen overnight. How long did this journey take? Uh, how long is this, is this journey taking? Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's still very much in play, and I think uh, one of the things that we had to do early on was reframe the journey. Uh, so it, it, it ceased to be one of uh, a relatively typical implementation uh, cycle to one of a more a social reculturing kind of uh, process, which is uh, much longer term. We're not talking about implementing a new curriculum. We're talking about reculturing and rethinking mm-hmm. the very DNA of how we think about and approach learning. So... We, we let ourselves off the hook of a, of a traditional implementation cycle and, and allowed ourselves a little bit more space and time knowing that it wasn't implementing a new curriculum or a new reporting system or a new assessment regime. It was really about reculturing our entire system and how we think about learning. In your current role, which you, congratulations, you're celebrating a year in, in as superintendent couch in Valley this, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in in hindsight, would you have done things differently? <laughs> um, so is that a good question? Uh, that's a big question. Yes. Um, from, from the provincial perspective, I, I don't think so. Right. I mean, there's always little things that you would do right. differently. But I think in, in, on, on the broad strokes, I think the efforts we went to to build our social license, to be inclusive, to... to uh, co-construct from the very beginning stages, which meant we were longer coming out of the shoots, right? Uh, a, a little bit, but when we came out, we were we were far more aligned and had a more coherent message, and had support from uh, essentially all of our partners in this journey. Um, so we weren't going it alone. We we we, we built our social license. Uh, within government, outside of government, uh, across the education sector and beyond, into the space of communities, with all their union partners and our, and our, and our partners, um, and that was essential to do. And so we didn't uh, collaborate in that sense. We didn't um, consult in that sense. Our collaboration was very much around co-construction. We okay. Together from the very beginning, and I think that that was the right decision to make. Um, to take that longer road uh, and ending up with products, uh, ideas, and so on that landed on far more fertile ground and, and were far more based on the everyday experience of our teachers. Now, it's fascinating to see you in your new role where you are now taking that curriculum and operationalizing, if you will, and implementing it mm-hmm. w- within your district. Mm-hmm. W- what's that experience like? 
it's hard to hide and blame it on somebody else. <laughs> yes, no doubt. But <laughs> government, you know, a new curriculum. So that that and that and that's actually quite good. I think what is the, the power of the relationships uh, that I had built provincially, um, or, or were there? I, I'm not taking credit for them, but that, that were built provincially are important and have tried to mirror those in the district. So being able to say, you know, we were able to reach, uh, if not consensus, huge agreement with our teaching unions uh, around uh, uh, curriculum and the direction and components and how it should look and so on. Surely we could do that here locally. Um, you know, we've been able to think about resourcing in certain ways provincially, how we think about innovation, trying to encourage um, and support courageous innovation, uh, trying things differently. Um, those provincial experiences have, have allowed us to say, allowed me to say locally, you know, you can do it on a big scale. Uh, you know, I think we can do it on a smaller scale here in the district. And so that's been important, important and also being able to draw on uh, partners, relationships, experts, uh, connections that I made out in the in the broader world to come into Couch and, and sort of help us with the journey because they too are also interested in how this how this actually plays out on the ground. What does this actually look like when you're you're right there in the weeds trying to do the work? Absolutely. Now Charles Fidel uh, in his new book Four Dimensional Leadership talks about a similar path that you're pursuing to achieve whole system change. Did you happen to read that book? You know, I didn't. I've uh, I've uh, worked with Charles a couple of times. And, right. Uh, read some of his previous stuff. Haven't read this, but doesn't this particular book? But but his his direction of travel hasn't hasn't shifted over the years. Right. And certainly, uh, the kinds of things he's been thinking about and writing about uh, have been influential uh, in 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 my thinking and in our thinking in in British Columbia. Absolutely. Well, what learning theorists influenced your thinking? Okay. You know, it's not sort of follow a certain mm-hmm. and their and their path, but we're more omnivores and grazers, and and like to um, look at a whole variety of things and, and select pieces and and build a sort of a made in BC solution. Um, so, so that, and I think that's healthy because it, it it forces us to look at a lot of different kinds of things. So, folks that that have been influential in our journey and our conversation. Thinking in British Columbia, um, Yong Zhao, uh, for sure, sure has been has been quite influential. His thinking around diversity, his thinking around uh, empowering of students, um, and that sort of entrepreneurial mindset uh, has been key in our in our thinking here. Um, certainly, uh, folks like David Albury uh, and Valerie Hannon out of the Innovation Unit in the UK mm-hmm. have been really pivotal in helping us think about, you know, with David, a lot of his work around uh, social structures, how organizations transform, um, thinking about uh, social models of reculturing rather than traditional organizational models of implementation. Um, you know, he, his, his thinking there has been uh, really helpful and and what's nice about um, uh, David and, and, and Valerie and so on is that they're they're more practitioners than than writers and theorists. Although so right. they have some publications.
organizations out there in sort of coming in, them coming in, rolling their sleeves up and helping us figure out our own problems and solutions rather than sort of uh, following a, a set track. Um, certainly John Hattie, uh, like so many jurisdictions, John Hattie's work has been important to us. Just sort of thinking about helping us ask the question, what really does make a difference? And how do you know? Um, that sort of notion of, of, of maybe there are some some ways to uh, quantify this and think about it, uh, about the teaching and learning game. Uh, Sir Ken Robinson, of course, yes. on, on, on imagination, on uh, the importance of the arts, the importance of uh, what in BC we're calling the competencies has been uh, critical and crucial to our journey. And maybe I'll end, I mean, there's, I could go on for a long time. Sure. Our, our own First Nations and First Peoples in this province have, and their writings and thinkings and beliefs and world and worldviews have been absolutely crucial to this journey. And and it's not just about ensuring, as we should ensure, that we have Aboriginal and First Nations content in our curriculum. Absolutely. It's, it's those actual worldviews, the, the actual ways of thinking about learning, the ways of thinking about developing young people, the ways about thinking about the kind of society we want to live in. Those basic fundamental ideas have been absolutely pivotal in our in our work. Fascinating. So, how's your journey going in Cowichan? Uh, it's going okay. You know, I, I think it's it's uh, as always uh, the best laid. You know, most plans don't last five seconds, and you know, by the time you actually start implementing them. Um, but I think those basic principles of um, uh, you know, we, we've talked about what does a, a transformed or transforming a 21st century, whatever term you might like, school district or organization look like. And, you know, we really know it's, it's ones that, that are values-based, not, not rules-based. And they're, you know, it's an organization that thinks and embraces diversity as a strength, not as a, wow, we have all these diverse learners, what are we, how are we going to manage it all? It's right. amazing. We have all this diversity, and that's one of the greatest gifts that we can actually have. Thinking about tr- being a transparent organization, can we be as absolutely transparent as possible about the decisions that are being made, about about the the, uh, the issues that we wrestle with and, and have to come to, to conclusion on, um, and, and, and trust. And so really focusing on, and there's nothing new on that list, Right. There's nothing. It, it, it's the good old-fashioned ways that we know human beings need to behave. Trying to get back to that and focus on those kinds of things as you're thinking about new curriculum, as you're thinking about um, assessment, learning experiences, and so on. It keeps coming back to that because I, I would suggest that those are all characteristics of great teachers too. Absolutely. Teachers that are more values-based and rules-based. Teachers that that thrive on the diversity. Uh, and really see that as a, as a strength and that are transparent with their students um, and that build trust. To, uh, that to me is great teaching. It's great for kids. It's great for adults. So getting back to some of those fun, fundamental, foundational kinds of things um, has, is helping us as, as together we journey down the what could and should the classrooms and the learning experiences of the future look like. So we've started at those... those uh, fundamental places and I wouldn't say we're there on any of them yet. Fantastic. That's always a journey, right? That's always a... Absolutely. With with uh, the student at the center? Uh, ab- absolutely. So, you know, if, if you... One of the things we talk about here is, um, and I have provincially as well, is if you look at a traditional hierarchy, 
you know, it might have, you know, the, the superintendent at the top or the minister of education at the top or whatever scale you're looking at. And always and inevitably at the bottom are, are our students. Right. Um, we flipped it and said, so what if we really believe students are the center of everything? Let's put them at the top. And so our pyramid is tippy and, and standing up on its point. And, and our role is to support those students. And Fantastic. that requires far more nimbleness and, and collaboration uh, and uh, innovation to, to do that. And so the role of teachers is to support the learning of students. Uh, the role of principals and vice principals to support teachers and support students. And, and you see how that goes. And then you start using words. In, instead of using on the, on the traditional hierarchical pyramid, you use words like accountability and um, those kinds of things. Um, we would use words like responsibility. Um, as you sort of have responsibility for more and more kids. Right. That's a, a downhill hierarchy and more uh, how do we support, how do we uh, enable, uh, so we use more terms like support, responsibility, uh, et cetera. So that sort of fundamentally is, is, is how we're thinking about things, but kids aren't just at the center, they are, they are everything. Um, that's, the fun, that's the only reason we're here. Fascinating, and uh, I'd love to share that pyramid in our report. Uh, if you can flip that to me as well, that sure, that, yeah, very cool. You, you're doing some uh, innovative things with technology. Uh, I had an opportunity to visit briefly uh, your district, and you talked about the the uh, private cloud and some other things that that are happening. Perhaps you can share some insights on on that front and uh, what inspired uh, the innovations. Sure. Um some of it, like, like, like our, our own cloud, um, came about from us wanting to communicate with students differently, think more about archiving of actual work uh, than just a report card or reporting on things secondhand. Let's actually uh, save and share and that work and try to do that in a safe and secure manner. Um, so it's safe for kids, safe for parents, etc. And so kind of uh, worked on building our own version of that, um, which is just beginning to roll out. You saw sort of some early stages of that. We're, we have a number of teachers uh, working in that environment right now, and we'll be rolling out more in the fall. Yeah, I was very impressed. Uh, mm -hmm. And, it, and, it's, and it's, again, a lot, fundamentally it's allowing parents to have a window into their kids' work. And, and seeing that and having students be able to archive and see the journey, not just a couple of products, but be able to really see the journey and the growth of our students. Um, so, so that's sort of the, the own cloud place. It's also great for sharing documents. It's, 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 uh, it's great for that communication and transparency piece that I was talking about. If, if you're not there, um, it's hard to be transparent when you, you're in a paper-based world or you're worried about the Patriot Act and what you can put online and what you can't and so on. So, we liked, that. we liked our own cloud solution. We've also used some pretty simple technology, but we think in some transformative ways. On the day you were here, you, uh, you saw us right. do a, a professional development activity Correct. for all our schools, and it was an activity that was relatively uh, high risk. So it was um, our fr uh, principal that's responsible for uh, First Nations and Aboriginal learners um, kind of sounding the call to all of our teachers about the importance of, of, of uh, get, getting this right, uh, redoubling our efforts, working hard, 
um, and and so many of our teachers, and I think this is not unique to, to Cowichan, are nervous about that in terms of using First Nations and Aboriginal content because we are, if we're not Aboriginal, that that's you don't want to get it wrong. And and it was uh, Denise sort of giving permission to try. It's okay, you know. Um, you, you have permission to make mistakes, in other words. And, and so sort of a, a challenging message. And so we know as we listen to people like Bruce Wellman uh, tells us that the, the more challenging uh, the, the high risk the activity or the message is, the, the more security and safety you should have in your structure. So uh, we had teachers in their own schools with their own principals uh, helping to facilitate. We, 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 we beamed in this video message and then used a, a product called TitanPad so that we could then have a, a district convers a school-based conversations with high safety, and then a district-based text conversation in real time, where where each each staff could see what the other people were thinking about, talking about, and and writing down in real time. Very simple solutions. Right. Nothing very high tech about it. No. But the, but but the, the comment people made is the tech was invisible, <laughs> which is the highest compliment you can, I think you can have for technology. The technology was invisible. It let us do things that we know are good, are good practice. Um, right. And we didn't have to think about the technology. It just kind of quietly worked in the background. It felt a lot like a felt pen and a chart paper. Absolutely. It's like right now as I'm recording, I have a cell phone recording tool in my hand, the phone, and the laptop. So <laughs> I got three pieces. It's working. And those things all have to work seamlessly. So right. Fast forward to 2025, what does learning look like in Cowichan Valley? Uh, boy, 2025 is a long way away. Um, okay. okay, you want to start with 2020? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know, the, the, the progression, the, the journey is, is one that's increasingly personalized. It's increasingly outside of the place called school. Uh, increasingly in the community, increasingly working with a variety of of experts and mentors that that can be quite specific. Um, we know that all of those can't exist on a staff in a school. We, we've heard from our kids. I've gone around and met with uh, almost all the secondary students in the district in the past couple of months, and and worked through some activities with them all in small and large groups around there. Uh, beliefs about what's important, what they advice they give us, they can be giving us on their learning, and the kinds of uh, structures and, and uh, opportunities we're giving them in school. Are are you prepared for the outside world? And increasingly, those kids are saying it needs to be hands on, needs to be real, needs to be embedded in community. I, I need to completely understand why this is important and why I need to know this. Um, to, to steal a Yong Zhao phrase, it's they're 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 saying we're getting a bit tired of the just in case learning. And 
we need to get to the just-in-time learning. Yes. Fascinating uh, school of thought, actually. You know, as we move forward, um, teachers becoming, really becoming learning and assessment experts uh, and, and beginning to move away from just, or from primarily being content experts. Of course, you need that as well, but really being able to assess learning, really being able to, to uh, support students along their journeys. And I'm not sure what the right word is. I don't think it's facilitator or coach necessarily. I'm not sure what the right, what the right term is, but it's increasingly becoming experts on the learning process um, than just the content. Fascinating. And what might technology look like uh, at that point, say 2020? Are, are you going down the BYOD path or Chromebooks? Uh, we, we are. We, we, we recognize and support kids that are bringing their own devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also recognize and support the lots of kids don't here. We, we are sure has some significant poverty issues. Right. Um, and need to always make sure that we have enough of whatever it is we're using for students. And so in, a, in our basic strategies, you know, we, we, we are going, we have the laptop carts and then increasingly the, the tablet right. uh, carts and things for sign out and for students to use and uh, all those kinds of things. In our minds, it's, it's, especially in a school setting, it's, it's perhaps a bit less of the BYOD or, or, or a one, one device sure. per student to uh, making sure that groups of students have have a device, because uh, again, we want those collaborative experiences, and you know, two or three or four kids clustered around a laptop or a, or a tablet, asking questions, answering questions, challenging each other, is is really the kind of look we want and the kind of experience we want more than just um, I'm buried in my own machine. Fascinating times. In BC and yeah, Cowichan Valley. Technology looks like in 25 years. Like if I knew that, um, yeah, I'd be retired by now. There you go, holograms and uh, you know virtual reality, perhaps. But uh, our reality today is uh, pretty exciting right now, and all the wonderful work that you're doing along with your colleagues in in transforming learning for kids and making it more meaningful. Well, thanks, and, and I think it's, it's, it's so much of it is, you know, it's becoming less about uh, the adults transforming learning for kids and more adults helping kids transform their own learning. Um, it is really a key piece uh, for us, and, and that's a hard, that's a cultural shift. That's a, uh, a complete rethinking of the DNA of learning and, and how we engage in it. And so that's, that's, to me, is the really exciting part of, of all this is, is the adults can eventually start to step back and do a bit less uh, for the kids um, and have the students really taking ownership and charge of their learning and um, and just making sure the kids don't fall through the cracks. With that, I thank you, Rod Allen, for your time this afternoon. Thanks, Robert. This has been great. As always, it's great chatting with you. That was Rod Allen, Superintendent and CEO of Cowichan Valley School District in on Victoria Island. My name is Robert Martellacci, the Mindshare Learning Report. Be sure to check out www.mindsharelearning.com to get your latest issue of the Mindshare Learning Report. And until next time, keep the digital learning curve steep.